Welcome back to another episode of the Attract podcast with your host, Anna Rumbold, marketing coach and mentor at Apricot Social. I'm so excited to introduce the very first guest on my podcast, and what a guest. The lovely Gemma Broadstock is a business mentor and the founder of The Ultimate CEO. And in this episode, we're talking about what it means to run a human-led business. And she also shares three really helpful activities that you can implement in your business today to build a sustainable long-term business. Hi, Gemma, and welcome. I'm really excited to be chatting to you today about what it means to run a human-led business. In this episode, we're going to be talking about how leading your business in a human-led way can help you to attract the kind of clients that you want to work with, positively impact the overall client experience, improve client retention, and ultimately help you to build a sustainable business. So Gemma and I chatted a little bit about this during my virtual festival, Kickstart Your Momentum, and the role of psychology in marketing. But today we're going to be diving deeper and we're going to be giving you some key takeaways that you can implement in your own business. So we talked about the idea that marketing doesn't exist without psychology. And I'd love to explore this idea of human-led business. So what does this mean to you, Gemma? Oh, so human-led business to me, is just putting the person first. I know this sounds so straightforward, so simple, definitely not as sexy as some of the strategies out there, but I think we get caught up in a lot of stuff you know you start your business you see other people using all these different strategies you might read a few books listen to podcasts there might be conflicting advice and before you know it you're like knee deep in chaos and it's like what do I do where does my time go I don't have enough time to do all of the things people are telling me to do and it can just feel really overwhelming I think and people start to question like what is the right strategy what do I do next how do I sign clients and I think what gets lost amongst that is that you are a human talking to a human trying to help that human sell to more humans like it's, it's all just human based and I think when you bring it back to that it just makes more sense like if you go into a networking event and you just start trying to implement some strategy to sign people or trying to get people on your freebie you're not going to be very welcome at that event because people just want to connect with each other and it's the same thing in the online space but I think it gets lost more easily so it all comes back to if you want to grow your business if you want to reach new people if you want to have an impact of any kind on others You need to start with speaking to that human in a way that resonates with them. So building that connection, being very honest and open, having really great lines of communication and everything else will follow after that. I love that. And in your opinion, do you think that social media almost puts up a a digital barrier that sometimes makes us forget that we are just connecting with that human? I think so, because you know, it's easy for me to sit here and be like, just talk to a human. But when you're talking to your phone and you're trying to record stories or you're going live and maybe there's nobody there watching, it's hard, right? Like it's definitely easier said than done. So I do think to an extent it can make things harder, but I also think on the flip side, it can do the opposite too, because we're able to connect with people like me and you, you know, we've been talking for a while. I've done stuff with you. You've done stuff with me. We've worked together. We probably never would have come across each other without the internet because we live far away from each other so I think it's got real benefits but I think initially you need to overcome that sense of like I am talking to humans so when I'm filming my stories I have to almost like imagine there's somebody in front of me so that it doesn't come across like really robotic and sales pitchy um, but I do think it takes practice. Yeah I totally agree with you and I love what you said about picturing somebody when you're showing up and talking on social media because 
you do have to be specific in order to connect with a specific person. So I think actually picturing them can really help when you're in that digital space and it feels like you're not really engaging with anybody. Yeah, or like something else that I do when I do stories is thinking back to conversations I've had with people. So if me and you had a conversation and you told me you were dealing with a specific thing, I might then go and film some stories speaking to you almost in those stories because I know that it's a problem another human is having. And it just makes it all so much easier than when you sit there and you think, oh my gosh, what do I say? I always start with, what are the humans in my world actually saying to me? And then I just respond to that in a story. I love that. And, and that really captures the whole idea of human-led business for me. When, when you talk about it like that, you're literally responding to what somebody is telling you and you're reacting to the wants and needs of your audience. Yeah. And we know people can't buy without trust. They won't buy from you if they don't trust you. So the trust is, it's got to be there first. And almost like, what do you want? right? Because we're all people, we're all buying things, selling things, reading things, consuming content. So if when you go, I don't know, to an event, and the whole thing is sales pitch after sales pitch, and there's no human connection, and you feel really icky about that, then your people are probably going to feel the same. So you've just got to think, what would I want this to feel like? So when you write an email, for example, would you want to receive an email that is 100% a sales pitch? Would that be exciting to you? Or would you want an email that actually has some really key takeaways or maybe a story and then the sales pitch is kind of intertwined? Because that's likely to be much more exciting, but it's much easier to think about what you would want than what other people want. Absolutely. And and it's a lot easier to build trust with somebody, isn't it, when you actually have that connection? In fact, I would say that it's it's vital. Yeah, 100%. I think it's just always bringing it back to not necessarily friendships, but relationships of some kind so that when it comes to selling something, you're not just a someone they never met before, never spoken to before, who was trying to sell to them. You are somebody who they know, somebody who they understand the personality traits of, maybe someone who they have a connection with of some kind. And I think that's also what is missing a lot in content where people say like, this is how to work with me. There's no point of connection there. I can't read that and think, oh my gosh, that's me. Or, oh, I've done that too, because there's nothing for me to connect on. I totally agree. So How else are both you and your clients using this concept of human-led business to attract the kind of clients that you want to work with? I know you've just touched on it there, but how you attract them and also make them feel safe in that buying process. So for me, it comes into everything. So anytime I do anything, so if I'm creating a new sales page, setting up a new email funnel, like literally anything in my business, I come back to, is this the best way of doing it? Or is there a better way? Because we quite often just replicate strategies that exist, you know? And for the most part, that works. But also, it might just be something we've been doing for a long time that nobody has questioned. So with my one-to-one, for example, I used to offer bi-weekly calls because that's what my coach had done. It's what everyone else seemed to do. So I just assumed other people have done this before. They have figured out the best way. I'll do the same thing. But actually, what I realized was there was no flexibility for my clients in that. It was like, Sometimes they didn't need a call that week. Sometimes they needed two calls in one week. And it just really felt too restricted for for me, but also for them to get the best out of that experience. So I decided to offer unlimited calls during my one-to-one. And so it's just things like that where I question the norm and ask myself, can this be done a better way? And if I think it can, let me give that a go. Let me try it. Let me experiment. And if that means that I'm the one who tries new things and fails and tries things that don't work, I'm cool with that. That doesn't bother me. And I think a lot of people who follow me, like they enjoy that. They enjoy seeing me do experiments and try new things. But yeah, always just asking myself, like, what would I want to see? How would I want to feel in this experience? And like you said, it's really important that people feel safe when they invest in you. So I also recently was putting together a sales page and I was like, if I wanted to invest in this and I needed to feel safe in order to do that, 
what information do I need? Because I was using a sales page template that was in Kajabi. And what I realized was there was such a focus on pain points and negativity because that's what we all do. And I was like, that's not going to make me feel safe. If I open up a sales page and someone's like, oh my gosh, is your life a mess? Are you crying every day? Like that doesn't make me feel safe. That makes me feel panicked or sad or in a place of scarcity. So I've really flipped my sales pages as well to talk to, you know, is this how you want to feel? You know, do you wish your life felt like this instead? And really focusing on the positives and making that person feel like they're not doing anything wrong right now. You know, you've done amazing things to get where you are. If you want to go further, here's how I can support you. Because I want them to feel positive through that experience as well. I don't want anyone to come into my world feeling panicked because that's not a place I want to help someone from. And it's not a place I want people to buy from because that's not going to help them long term. So it's always just coming back to questioning, can this be done differently? How would I feel on the other end? Remembering that everyone is a human with emotions and how can I help people feel safe through the process? And just, I guess, experimenting with everything. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's such a good exercise to put yourself in the shoes of the ideal client. And that's what I see you doing. And something that I really love about what you do is the market research calls that you carry out every so often. I mean, that is just such a great example of listening to your audience. And it really shows integrity, I believe. And I can see that you're then taking what they're telling you on those calls and really implementing it and thinking about how they feel when they're buying. It's so important because it's easy to just sit at home, be working on your strategy and just be so disconnected from the person that you're trying to speak to with your strategy. And so often clients will come to me and they're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what people prefer. And I'm like, let's ask them. Let's see what they say, right? Because there's obviously something about you are running your own business. You don't just want to ask people what they want and just create things because you are the expert and you need to trust yourself that you know what is best for them while also combining that with their feedback. So there is a balance. But yeah, every quarter I do a bunch of calls. The structure of them differs. Sometimes it's a free sort of 30 minute one-to-one. Sometimes it's just purely market research. And then I just take all that information just to see where people are at, what people want. And I did some this week. I've been on about 10 calls this week. And it's been so helpful because I was creating a program and I was like, something is missing. I can't tell what it is, but something's not, it's not quite right. So it wasn't ready to launch. And speaking to everyone this week, it's just clarified everything for me. And just even things like the way they describe their problems or the way that they, the phrases and words that they use that I wasn't using. Things like that could be the difference between a launch selling out and selling nothing because you're speaking to a problem that they don't realize they have. So I think just getting on calls with your clients is so important. And obviously you don't have to do it every quarter like I do. It could just be, you know, here and there. But also speaking to your previous clients, I think is really important. So a few of my calls this week were with previous clients. And I was like, okay, you worked with me. What was missing? Was there anything missing? Was there anything you came out and felt like you needed afterwards? And actually, my previous clients this week have helped me design a new offer for when I'm offboarding my one-to-one clients because they all kind of said, like, this was amazing and we wanted to continue. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) why didn't I let them continue, right? I didn't offer them something that would kind of capture them at the end of one-to-one when they didn't want to fully renew that package, but they wanted something. So they've helped me design something for that. And that's been really amazing because I wouldn't know that without them. So I think it's also really important to reconnect with your previous clients like a bit further down the line. Yes, I totally agree. Could those people have already bought from you? So it's so important to listen to what they've said, to continually improve what you've already got, to create new offers. And I really loved what you said as well about understanding exactly what it is that they want and what they think they need. 
I have coached so many clients who are talking about this specific problem. And when I ask them, do they know they have that problem or do they think it's something else? Nine times out of 10, they think the problem is something else entirely. So they are probably not going to resonate with the content that's pointing out the problem that they don't know they have. So I think by doing those kind of calls and really listening to what your ideal client is saying, you will actually find out the words that are going to spark the curiosity and the intrigue in your ideal client and show that you understand what they're feeling. Yeah. And I will say the reason that I do so many of those calls is because this is something I struggle with. Like very naturally, I talk to my background is psychology. And when you do psychology, you're not allowed opinions. <laughs> Everything has to be very factual. It's like, this is the study. This is the research. This is what they found. And that is how you communicate things in a way that is like applauded, right? So when I try to launch my offers, I'm like, okay, so there was this piece of research done and it was done by this psychologist who's a really big deal. And I'm like rambling on about the stuff that matters to me. But the customer on the other end does not give a crap. Like they don't care about the study. They don't have a love for psychology like I do necessarily. What they care about is how they're feeling right now. And can I help them get out of that or get them to where they want to go? And so the reason that I do so much market research is because I know that my like default point is to talk to the things that they don't care about. And I know that about myself. So again, it's also like self-awareness of, I know that if I do what comes naturally to me, I'm not going to sell anything. Or I might sell to one or two people who have similar interests. But it's very easy to talk to the deeper work that you do to help your client when that's not even in their like vocab. They don't know what you're even talking about or how that relates to their current problem. So I think it's really important to ask your clients, like, what is it that you want? Like in your words, what are you dealing with? What do you want? What needs to change? And if you are going to talk about how you're going to do that, like your strategies, you really need to make it clear, this is why this is important for you. This is how it links back to what you've told me. Because it's so easy to go all in and be like, I love this offer. I'm so excited about it. It's amazing. Of course, everyone's going to buy it. And then they don't. And you think it's the end of the world. You think it's something about you. Nine times out of 10, it's a messaging thing. I totally agree. I, I really believe that messaging can be the difference between, like you say, a launch that sells out and getting no bites at all on your offers. And I really believe that that disconnect that you just described is a huge part of that. We're talking to one thing, actually our ideal clients need to hear another thing in a much simpler way than what we probably think. It's a little bit like, so I had a call, um, a one-to-one -one call with Lacey the other day. I don't know if you follow her. She's amazing, a lit up life. And she said to me that this is a little bit like trying to sell like one-to-one -one personal training, but you're trying not to talk about losing weight or getting fitter. And instead you're talking about how great like bananas are. And like if you could talk, you know, for hours about how great bananas are, but if what people want is to lose weight or to get fitter, they're not necessarily going to put the two together and someone else will come along and say, oh, I can help you lose weight and get fitter. And they will go straight to that person just because they're talking about that language. And you might be thinking, but I know it's in, it's in the bananas, it's in the berries, it's in the, like, the diet that you have day to day. But if they don't know that or it's not clear enough, someone else will come in and be super clear and your clients will go to them instead. Yeah, absolutely. The clear, simple message is the message that resonates, isn't it? So we've looked a little bit about understanding and listening to the ideal client and how that helps us to build a human-led business. I'd really like to explore the other side of it and how it also means that we ourselves can build businesses that feel really good and messaging that feels really aligned. So I'd love to hear about some of the ways, perhaps some of the transformations that you've seen with clients when they are sharing a message, sharing content, building 
their business around their values and things that actually feel good to them and matter to them? It's one of those things that I struggle to put how amazing it is into words, you know? Like I've got one client at the moment, for example, who's been with me for like over a year. And the transformation during that time, it like it blows my mind because it started off with I need some help with my pricing. I need some help figuring out what my offers are. And I've got this client who's not quite a good fit. You know, it was that kind of thing. And now it's like, you know, my relationships are thriving and I've taken up this hobby that I've always wanted to do that I was too scared to do. And just the transition has all come from leaning into what she actually wants. Just asking those deeper questions on, okay, in an ideal world, what does your life look like? What about your life right now isn't actually feeling super aligned for you? What is it that you do that irritates you or that you look at other people and think, oh, I'm jealous that they've got that. And just really asking those questions and being super honest about what it is that you actually want and whether your current business is supporting that. Because quite often people want a certain life, but they've built a business that stops them from getting that life. So they might want to be at every school pickup, but they've signed clients who don't let them finish before five o'clock or they want to travel the world, but they've taken clients who want them to manage their inbox every single day. And it's like they've created this business for freedom, but they've got no freedom or no freedom that they actually want. And so the first thing is being really honest with yourself and having those difficult conversations around what have you done here that you don't want to do anymore? And then it becomes, okay, how do we make that your reality? Which, you know, it can take some time. It can take time to work through all those things. And it's not always easy to realize I've created something here that doesn't support the life I want. And I need to let these clients go or I need to increase my prices or offer a total new service or something but the outcome that I've seen in my clients is just so powerful because it just gives them permission to be themselves to say no to stick up for themselves in difficult situations to do things that they never thought they could do before like I've got a client who is like yeah I'm gonna be an artist she never would have said that a year ago because she would have been so scared to say that out loud of what people would have thought of her now she has a whole Instagram for her art where she's sharing it with people And it's like, that didn't happen overnight. That was a process of realizing this is a desire I have, but I'm not saying out loud. And then it was, okay, why? And how can we then make it a desire you are saying out loud and something that you're actioning every day? So it's it's just such a process that is so incredible to be a part of, but I cannot emphasize enough how powerful it is to do this deeper work first and see what the the consequences are, because it is going to have a knock-on impact on your romantic relationships, your dating, your friendships, your what you do in your spare time, your hobbies, your confidence generally. And that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, amazing transformations that you've just described there. And sometimes change can be uncomfortable, can't it? But what sits on the other side can clearly, as you're saying, be amazing. So I think it is so important to connect with your why, isn't it? And to actually recognize and go after what you desire. And I think that's when you're going to build a business that you enjoy. You're going to keep going when the days feel harder. I mean, I love that you've also talked about finding hobbies outside of business and improving relationships. It all has a knock-on effect, doesn't it? Yeah. And I am the perfect example of what happens when you don't do this, because I used to have a VA business that was working right? Like in a way that everyone else thought it was working. But behind the scenes, I was like, this is not it. This is not giving me the lifestyle I want. Something about this is just not making me feel fulfilled. I don't feel like I'm reaching my full potential. Like all of that stuff was playing out behind the scenes. And what happened was after, you know, a year, two years of that, I was hitting burnout. I was hitting overwhelm. I was like, not seeing anyone outside of business. I had no hobbies. I was doing nothing for fun. Because I was so immersed in trying to make this thing work that was never going to work for me because it was never for me. 
And I really think that you can, to an extent, push on with a business that you already have if it's not making you fully happy, but only for so long. And then at some point, something will happen and you will have to walk away from it. So if you know that, you may as well take control now because I didn't. I sat with that decision for like a year, maybe. And what happened was I started to destroy it myself from the inside out. And it really felt like the universe or whatever you believe in was like, oh my goodness, she is not going to make this decision. We're just going to make it for her. And now I really do question myself really often. Like, am I happy? Is this feeling good for me? And I make those changes really quickly because when you don't, you just end up dragging it on and you just drag your unhappiness on. And that isn't sustainable long-term. No, absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. I think as well, when... I speak to a lot of my clients, usually if they are going through a period of inaction, it's always down to something feeling misaligned. And I think it's really, again, it's kind of one of those things that when a client wants to invest in something, like if you gave them like five grand to go and invest and you choose between being more aligned or like making more money, a lot of people are naturally pulled towards making more money because we do this thing as humans where we're like, well, I'll make more money now. And then in future, I'll focus on being happy. Or in future, I will do the thing that's going to make me feel free. But that doesn't work. It doesn't work. And you've got to go the other way, right? It's You go to the happiness first and then the money will come. But I think it's really hard in those situations to make those decisions. And it's so much more tempting to invest in or how can I grow quicker? How can I sign more clients quicker? When actually what you need to do is slow down or maybe even stop for a minute, fix what you've got going on right now, and then you will you will catapult forward quicker than you ever would have. Yeah, I totally agree. I actually shared some stories earlier in the week about how we should consider time and energy when we're looking at investments. Do we have the time and energy? But energy is going to come because we are feeling good about the business and we're feeling good about the direction, the purpose, the values. And if those things aren't there, then the financial investment feels a whole lot more risky, I think. Yeah, it's hard. Like it's not easy being a business owner and making all these decisions by yourself. And I also think there's part of it that's like, if you have people around you who are not in business and they and you say, oh, I made an investment in myself, saying I made an investment to grow my business and earn 10K kind of makes sense to people. But when you say, oh, I made an investment so that I can like feel happier in my business, a lot of people still are not happy in their jobs. And so it's harder, I think, to say that out loud. And it's a shame because I've seen, you know, firsthand the effects that it has on people to just move towards a a more aligned business that makes you happy. That is, I always say U-shaped, right? You want an Anna-shaped business. I want a Gemma-shaped business. They're going to look different. And I think if you can really work on that first, everything else does fall into place. And it comes to trusting yourself and trusting that you will get where you want to go. But it might just take a little bit of a detour or it might be a little bit slower than planned. And overnight success is probably not going to be sustainable or make you happy. And that's the thing, what you're talking about is really helping us to build sustainable businesses. And I think that actually leads really nicely into the next question around how having a human-led business and making these decisions from a point of alignment, how all of those things can also impact the client experience, overall satisfaction, and then as a result, retention and referrals, that all helps to build that sustainable business. So what do you feel about that? Oh, I think it's so important. I just, I mean, we all know this, right? Taking it back to the human. If you buy something and you had fun buying it, you'll buy it again. If you buy something and the customer service sucked or you didn't feel very valued or or something like that, you're probably not going to buy from them again. And the same goes in our industry. Um, I think a lot of emphasis is put on having really great marketing, having really good launches, getting people into the offers. 
there's nowhere near as much focus on actually serving your clients inside the offer, which I would say is the most important thing. Two of the things that I, I really would love to see less of are people who get in an offer and then feel like the person who sold to them has forgotten they exist. And people using scarcity really heavily to get people into an offer. Because the thing is, if you get people into an offer and you celebrate like, oh, I had this sold out launch, that's amazing, right? Like you've obviously done something really well there. But if all of those clients are unhappy or they don't leave, not if they do leave, they don't re-sign with you, they do leave and they don't give you testimonials because they don't know how to say, like, actually, I wasn't very happy with this. All you've done is made your life harder. You've made like your life in six months time twice as hard because you don't have any glowing testimonials. You don't have anyone re-signing with you and you feel like you're starting again. Whereas if your clients have loved the entire experience and they felt valued, they felt like they trusted you, they felt like the communication was amazing throughout, like from day one of I'm interested in this offer to the day that you're offboarded, they are going to talk about you so positively. And so even if they don't re-sign with you, they are going to tell their friends about you. They are going to share your things on Instagram. They are going to come along. You know, when you do a free training sometimes and you've got like a mix of new people and current clients and previous clients. That is so powerful because that says to the the new people, my previous clients loved working with me so much that they have come back, right? And that sells for you. But I think there's so much um, emphasis on the big numbers in the first place that we sometimes forget that bit. And it's really, really important. I completely agree. We've got to deliver a great client experience. And I completely resonate with what you say. The clients that I personally have retained also really help me to smooth out that roller coaster feeling of entrepreneurship because those people are working with me it's that predictable income and like you say you know people are much more likely to go and refer you to somebody else and it's a win-win there they're having a great experience that they want to re-sign and you know their business more and they're getting great results but from your perspective you are smoothing out that ride making it a little bit more predictable and creating that sustainable business long term yeah even just little things like someone buys an offer do they get an email or something that says here's what happens next like that would take you seconds to set up but thinking about being the human on the other side you've you've just decided i'm going to spend this you know maybe huge amount of money i'm really nervous i've clicked the button and you're like now what like you don't i don't want anyone to be in that position of like now what i've just handed over my money and i don't know what i what i get in return so it's just always thinking through the whole process like how can i make this easier for the person going through it like remembering that they are a human with emotions and when people invest there usually is an element of fear and there's a lot of emotions that go on there's adrenaline like you want them to feel safe through that process and so sometimes you might have to do things that feel a little bit like over the top like oh they probably know what happens next well do they like you know can you just put it down in writing so that they do know and I think little things like that they get forgotten but they make such a difference and coming back to that market research I did this week something that came up repeatedly was people who had invested in really high ticket programs and then felt like they hadn't been served when they were inside. And so they felt like they'd gone in this like designer store from the outside where everything was shiny and perfect and fun. And then they got in, it's like, oh, like there's nobody here. Like I've got no one to talk to. I've got no support. And that's really hard for me to hear because obviously people are going to have trust issues in the industry based on that. So I think anything you can do to make people see like that is not how you work. Like when people are inside your offers, you show up for them 100% and sharing testimonials and stuff that backs that up and going above and beyond through the whole process. You need to do that because there are some people who aren't and we are dealing with people with trust issues in this industry for 
you know, obvious reasons. I don't blame people at all. I think we, as like people who genuinely care and really want to do this work to support others, we need to go above and beyond to show that we're the ones who do genuinely care. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really couldn't agree more with what you're saying. I actually saw another coach's post a couple of weeks ago and she asked the question, why do people not complete courses? And the opinions that were shared were so interesting to read and, and so relatable. A lot of people were saying that they found it overwhelming they didn't know where to go first. And you're totally right about signposting, making it as simple as possible. Otherwise, people are just going to be overwhelmed, not take the action, not get the result, not recommend you and not have a great client experience. So I think it's so important, like you say, that you've really got to think about the delivery, but making it as easy to implement, as easy to follow as possible. And the reason this stuff is is actually easy to an extent is that you might not have loads of experience working with tons of clients that you can use to make your new offer better or whatever. But if you have ever bought anything, you have been in the shoes of that person. So when I was putting together this new group program, I was thinking about another program I had joined last year where I joined and they had like um, loads of pre-recorded videos. And I just opened it up and I was like, oh my goodness. Like I clicked the pay button and instantly there was about a thousand videos in front of me. And I felt so overwhelmed. I was like, where do I begin? Do I need to do I need to watch all of this? Like, do I need to start somewhere before the live calls? Like, it just left me feeling a bit like all over the place. And that's not how you want to feel when you've just invested like four figures. So just coming back to when you have bought things, what felt really good? What felt overwhelming? What did you wish was different? And then bringing that into your own offers. Yeah, I love it. So we've talked about two perspectives here, listening to our ideal client about how they buy so in turn how we're going to market ourselves but then also looking at how we're going to deliver and listening to what they want in terms of that i think we focus generally and like you say it's, it's probably a very normal human reaction because we're looking at getting sales getting people into our offers we probably spend more time on what works at that side rather than at what works on the other side inside the offer but actually what works inside the offer is going to drive results and retention and referrals yeah and like, I totally get it because without money, we don't have a business. Without money, you can't afford to keep being a business owner. So I really understand the desire for more sales and more clients. We all have that, right? Even if you are someone who is really passionate about working with people, ultimately that comes to you want to sign more clients so you can work more people. So we all have that drive, but I think it's just balancing that with, okay, but when people come out of your offers, do you want them to feel really good about spending that money with you? Or do you not really care about that? Because in my opinion, like there's once you've done a, like a launch or something like that, you can kind of replicate, right? You can look at what worked, what didn't. You can replicate it. So it doesn't always take as much work. The first one, you might be writing loads of launch emails. The second one, you already have the emails, right? You can edit them a little bit. The behind the scenes bit where you have to over deliver is the bit where I think like 80% of the work minimum needs to go because the front end is almost just like your shop front. But if people come into your shop and your shop is a mess, like they're not going to come back again. So I just think it's so important to just like split your energy and your time. And it's it's so common that people are like, I'm going to go 100% in to create this launch. They launch it, people join and then they're like, oh wait, like there isn't even anything behind the scenes. They're not joined anything. They just all come in the shop together. And then it's like this panic of trying to create something. And that's not always going to be the best way to create something from. So I think it's just always coming back to what would I want? What would I want to feel? How would I feel safe in this? And then just doing that and trusting yourself that you're doing the right thing for the right reasons. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And actually, I think that trust in yourself is so important. It does take bravery, doesn't it, to lead with conviction, to spend that time getting to know your ideal client, to create the offer based on what your ideal client wants and needs, and to slow it down in some cases. You're not trying to get the overnight success by using all this scarcity, things that can work. You're actually slowing it down and trusting the process. So I can see why that could feel quite hard, but also how it can also feel really amazing when you do spend that time getting to know what they want and what they need and delivering a really great offer as a result. Yeah, and if we, if we bring it back to trust, people love honesty. So if you realize, like if you're listening to this right now and thinking, oh my goodness, like maybe I've done something that I wouldn't want. There's nothing wrong with going on your Instagram and be like, hey, so when I started this business, I was told to do this. I've been doing this. But I've just realized based on your feedback that actually what you want is this slightly different thing. And so therefore, I'm going to make it for you. Like you can speak to the thing, you know, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And if anything, it builds that trust where you're saying, I'm learning as I go, because there are some people who will have an opinion on day one and they don't want to change it ever because they're like, oh, yeah, but people are going to think that they can't trust me or whatever. But you've got to be open to learning. Like everything changes year on year. And so there are going to be things now and there are definitely things now that I believe that I wouldn't have believed back in 2018 when I started my business. That doesn't mean I'm not trustworthy. If anything, it means the opposite because I'm saying when I get more information, when I learn more, I'm open to questioning myself. And so actually, if you're thinking, oh, I've done this thing before and I really don't like that I've done it, I don't want you to feel bad about that. But also there's real power in acknowledging it and being like, actually, I'm not going to do this anymore because you also then give permission to the other people in your network to do the same thing. And that's how change is created, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it is our choice, isn't it, to create those changes. And I agree, if you show up and communicate that with your audience, then it's going to show integrity and trustworthiness. So I, th I think that's a really great approach to have. I've done the same. I, when you were talking just then, I can think back to my own business journey and how I've learned and evolved and I've worked with coaches and mentors. I've done research and I've worked with clients who have taught me as I've gone along. You know, my clients teach me as well as, a, as I'm sure you can relate to and you do develop from that. So I think it's, I think it's really important, like you say, that we can give ourselves that permission to go in different directions and, and change where we see fit. And it's, it's not easy, but I think it is really important because if we all just kept doing the same thing, like nothing would ever move forwards. You know, if you think about like doctors, if they were still sticking to what they believed like 300 years ago, a significant amounts of people would be dead right now because, you know, as there are new studies, new research, like they have to adapt what their beliefs were. And I think it's the same for our industry. Like we find out new things are working or things that used to work are no longer working. Like, you know, everyone was doing a webinar at one point into a funnel, into a training, like everyone was doing the same thing. But just because it used to work doesn't mean it still does. And you're the one as the business owner who has to stop for a minute and slow down. And so I said, it's important to slow down sometimes and just reflect and be like, is this still as effective? Is this still the best way of doing things? Because otherwise you're just, you're going hundred mile an hour trying to get your results, but you're not stopping to question anything. And before you know it, you look back and everyone else has moved on. And your business is kind of like out of date, if you like, because things change really quickly in the online space. So I think it's also really, really important to be open to asking yourself questions and being honest and communicating that with people and being like, you know what, I used to believe this. I no longer believe it. Here is why. Here's what I'm doing about it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and having that quite fluid approach as well to experiment. And I actually think you can have a lot of fun with experimenting as well. You know, you, we get to test, we get to see how people respond. But I think the way that you're describing, if we're listening to our ideal clients, hearing what they're saying, and then testing what they've told us and seeing how it lands with more people, I think is a really great way of building and developing. Yeah. And just being like, do you know what, I can experiment and I don't, it's almost like bringing that childlike sense of curiosity back. Like I'm going to try something and I don't know what's going to happen and that's okay. You know, like my mentor said something to me yesterday and I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know whether that is going to apply to my business, but my response was, I'm going to do an experiment. I'm going to try something and I'm going to test it. And how exciting is that? Like I get to see whether there is a new way that I can move forwards, a new way that I can help people. And I know that this is hard because as you know, humans, we're taught that failure is bad through, you know, school and things like that. But actually, to be able to test something and experiment and just be open to whatever happens is so freeing and so exciting. And it's part of being a leader, right in the online space, if you want to be someone that people look at and think, oh, that is somebody who is like, creating new things and paving the way, you've got to be open to failing sometimes and being totally okay with that. There is so much power in me going online and saying, hey guys, I tried this thing. It was an absolute flop. Didn't work. Here's what I learned from it. Like that is so powerful. And I would say more interesting to people than me going online and saying, hey guys, look how well I did at this thing. Yeah, absolutely. We've got to share the failures and the successes for people to learn and, and connect with us as well. So I, I, I love that. I also really love what you said about how testing and experimenting is freeing. I know this might not relate to every single person, but probably a lot of people listening might have had a corporate job like I did in marketing. I wanted to experiment. I love experimenting and I couldn't. I was always in this rigid boundary. I, I was always told, no, we can't do that. Or, you know, you've got to dim it down a little bit. With our own businesses, we get to go and experiment as much as we like. So I, I think, you know, some people listening will probably relate to that feeling of being in employment where they're being put into this box and actually that that box lid is lifted in business and sometimes it's hard for us actually to give ourselves that freedom we still act in that same way inside that box so I think it's really freeing as you say to be able to go out and experiment and do what we want with it and have fun with it my clients talk a lot about those boxes they hate them um but the way I like to see it is you know when you've got like boxes of toys and a kid just empties them all on the middle of the floor, throwing them all around. That's kind of what we need to do with our business. We might have these boxes of like, this is what I've always done. This is what people label me as. This is what this other person did. Chuck it all on the floor like a kid would, mix it all up, put like parts from all these different ones together and see what you can build. Like there is so much to be learned from just getting creative, getting messy. And we forget that we can do that. Like as business owners, we can we can do what we want and we can do that. And you could make something tomorrow that's never been done before or that doesn't make any sense, but you believe it might work. And that's so exciting, but it becomes scary when you tie like an expectation to it. When you tell yourself this has to work, this has to work. Otherwise, people are going to think I'm an idiot or people are going to think I'm a failure or people are going to unfollow me or not work with me or whatever. You take the fun out of it then. Like you've literally sucked the fun out of a fun thing. And so I think it's just going into things with an open mind and being like, I'm experimenting. I don't care if it goes well or not. That's like, I'm here for the fun of the, the trying, right? And if that means that you don't communicate it with people, that's fair enough. Like you might want to experiment behind the scenes with an offer or something like that and not share it with the world. I totally get that that might be a starting point. But I think if you can get to the place where you can openly say to your clients, like, 
I tried this thing, it didn't even work. And trust that your clients are not going to be like, oh, I don't want to work with you anymore. That's such a good place to be because otherwise you're always holding part of yourself back. And actually, when you're supporting your clients, they need to see that you're human too. Yeah, absolutely. And that brings in the relatability, doesn't it? Which is a really important part of the buying process, in in my opinion. I love this. So I'd love to hear if you have three takeaways that the people listening to this podcast episode can perhaps go away and implement in building a sustainable human-led business or perhaps some starting points? Oh, okay. So first thing I would go and sit with yourself, whether you have a journal or whether you just want to go for a walk, however you feel best, and just ask yourself, am I truly happy with my current business and the way that it's working? And just allow yourself to explore the answers to that question. The second thing I would say, go through your customer process from a customer's point of view. So come onto your Instagram, pretend you don't know who you are, come onto your Instagram. Is it clear where you need to go? Click on your link in bio. Is it clear what your offers are? Like go through that whole process and just ask yourself, if I was going through this, would it make total sense? Like, do I just like flow from step to step or is there anything that needs work? And then finally, I would say, look at what you currently serve your clients with. So whether that's, um, I don't know if you've got like an online portal or you've got resources or whether it's one-to-one and potentially ask your clients, like what would make this better? If you don't have clients right now in that offer, just again, looking at it from your perspective, what would make this better? Would I feel overwhelmed? Is there too much information? Little things like, have you got transcriptions for your videos so that it's accessible to everybody and things like that. And just looking at how can I level this up rather than going straight to how can I make more money tomorrow? I love those. I think they are such great tasks there that I think will really propel people into that space of connecting with themselves and the customer to really create great offers. Good. Honestly, it's been so much fun talking to you. Yeah, I love it. And I just have one last question, which is quite an exciting one to ask. What does building your business on your terms look like for you? To me, it's having a Gemma-shaped business. So that means sometimes I get anxious. How can I build a business that supports me in those anxious moments? I am quite an introvert. How do I build a business that supports me in in that? Um, And just really kind of molding something to me rather than being like, that person's doing this. I'm going to give that a go. I'm like, does that support me and who I want to be? And that has been such a game changer for me because honestly, if you could have seen my business in year one, I was on like 20 calls a day. I was just constantly on sales calls. It was just exhausting and it did not work for who I was. Some people, they are like recharged by human connection and having loads of sales calls. I am not one of those people. I need like a three-day nap after that. So it's just always coming back to, does this work for me? Because it has to, right? If I'm the one who's got to run it every day for however long I have this business and I want it to be sustainable and I want it to feel good and I want it to have a positive knock-on effect on everything else, it has to be Gemma-shaped. So that is what I would say. I love that answer. And I love what you said about a U-shaped business. I think that's something I'm certainly going to go and take away. And I think will be something that will really help a lot of people. Good. I hope so. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. I think it's been great. I think there's been so many gold nuggets that have been shared. And thank you so much for, for joining today. Thank you for having me. It's always so good to chat to you. And you know, it's always nice to stay in touch with people long term as well. And I love that, you know, we've kind of been in each other's world for a long time, and we've been able to collaborate in lots of different ways. So I really appreciate you. I appreciate you as well. Yeah, that is one of the nicest things about being in the online space, having and building these kind of connections. 100%.